our timing and technical difficulties today. Some weeks it feels like that happens, but it doesn't change what the Holy Spirit would like to do in each one of us today. So I invite you to just pray with me as, as we turn to the gospel lesson and what's happening today. Lord, we lay our hearts before you. We thank you that Jesus is more powerful than Satan and that he has the victory. And that when we stand, we stand on your promises and in your strength. Speak to us now. Open our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've entered the season of Lent. Many of you were at the Ash Wednesday service this past week and, and marked the beginning of Lent together. And some of the things that we focus on during this, this season is um, looking at sin and repentance. And today the gospel lesson talks a little bit about temptation. We read in scripture that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet he didn't sin. And these are some of the ways that we can see uh, where Jesus was tempted. You know, he's fully God, but fully man, fully able to sin, but did not. And we have the same opportunity because of what Christ has done for us. And there's some really valuable lessons for us in the gospel, uh, not only about how we can combat the temptations of Satan, uh, but also there's some significant comparisons we can make about what God says about us versus how Satan twists that and then says other things about us. And the question before us is, who are we going to listen to and who are we going to obey? You know that old, that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? You probably have the little sing-songy rhyme going through your head right now. I won't sing it. Don't worry. <laughs> um, it seems like a cute little rhyme, you know, and it's intended to encourage people, but many of us have been hurt by words. Words carry a lot of power, and people say things all the time that hurt others, whether it's intentional or unintentional. Um, oftentimes, words drive people to success or to failure, you know, our encouragement or our tearing down of somebody else. Uh, you can probably think about times in your life where you experienced the words of another person and you might not even remember exactly what those words were, but you remember how they made you feel. I have that in my life, both in positive ways and negative ways. Times when I felt really built up by what people were saying and in times where I don't remember what they've said, but I feel like I bear a wound from it <laughs> to a degree, okay? Um, so in the gospel lesson today, we see these words of Satan to Jesus. We're probably kind of familiar with this passage of temptation, but I wonder if we've ever looked at it in contrast with Jesus' baptism. So the gospel lesson today started with, after Jesus was baptized, then he's immediately led into the wilderness to be tempted, right? So he's coming off this high point of baptism. And if we go back 
and we look at the baptism of Jesus, remember the words that God the Father said about Jesus when he was baptized. And imagine these words being spoken over you. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved child. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At the end of his baptism, Jesus is affirmed in his identity with God the Father as God's Son. And he's reassured of and affirmed in God's love. Have you ever experienced that in your own life from God the Father? Have you ever experienced that identity assurance that you are a beloved child of God? Beyond that, his father said, I'm pleased with you. Do we ever feel like God is pleased with us? Or do we feel like we're kind of ducking the lightning bolts? Oh, I sinned. Oh, I messed up. You know, oh, I said those words, which those things are true. We do sin. We do mess up. We do say things. So it was right after Jesus' baptism, after he's affirmed, after he's loved, after he's affirmed in his identity, that he heads out into the desert and is tempted by Satan. It was almost like he was being equipped for what was about to come. You know? Um, <clears throat> and then look at what Satan says to Jesus. If you are the Son of God. And what did God just say, the Father, say about Jesus? This is my beloved Son. And the first thing Satan says is, if you are the Son of God. So the very first thing Satan does is he takes what God has said about us and he calls it into question. He tries to cast doubt. Am I really saved? Did I really do it? Well, no, you didn't. God did. Jesus did. But <laughs> am I really saved? Um, do I really have the Holy Spirit? Am I actually going to go to heaven? Satan questions Jesus' identity. He questions his authority. He questions his inheritance and offers him some different inheritances if we look at these temptations. All the things that God the Father had just affirmed about Jesus at his baptism, Satan attacks and seeks to undermine and destroy. Consider for a moment how the Gospels would be different if Jesus had been unsuccessful in standing against Satan's temptations. We would be lost. We would have no hope. You know, the Old Testament lesson today, we, we read in Genesis. We've read that lots of times. We know the account of the fall. It's the same pattern of deception that Satan used way back then, right? Did God really say? <laughs> he doesn't have new tricks. He uses the same ones over and over again because they work. <laughs> right? So, right at the beginning, did God really say he's calling into question the word of God? Then, with the baptism of Jesus, 
if you are the Son of God, calling into question what God the Father just said. He likes to cast doubt and to undermine. What are the words that have hurt us in the past? What are those things that have been said that have stuck in us and in our hearts and continue to ache even though they were put there many years ago? What are the words from the forces of darkness that we have allowed a place in our lives to shape how we think and who we have become? Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. It's quite a contrast with Jesus. If you would, if you have your Bible, just turn to Ephesians chapter 1. There's something in here that's really important for us to know if we're followers of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass, according to the riches of his grace. We have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Satan would like to cast doubt on that. He would like to twist those words and say, no, you don't. You live in poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You were chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. That's quite a destiny, which Satan would like to undermine. We are adopted into God's family and co-heirs with Christ of an eternal inheritance that will never pass away. And Satan would like us to trade that for something temporary, something passing. And we have received the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of our inheritance. He would like to cast doubt on that. These are just some of the things God says about us and has done for us. One of Satan's greatest accomplishments is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. <laughs> You've probably heard that said before. I don't know who said it first. It wasn't me. <laughs> there was a Barna um, poll that went out. It was way back in 2009, but I bet we haven't changed too much in the right direction since then. And it was a poll of Christians in America. 40% of Christians in America think that Satan is a symbol of evil, but is not real. 40%. And if Satan's not real, maybe hell's just a symbol of something too, right? 20% uh, somewhat agree with the statement 
that Satan is just a symbol of evil. And a whopping 19% believe that he is real and living and active. <laughs> Only 19%. So the Satan that tempted Jesus is the same one that engaged with humankind in the garden at the beginning. He's also the same one um, that engages with us through himself and through his demons to tempt us into sin. And because we know the end of the story, we know that he's the same one who's been defeated by the blood of the Lamb and is headed ultimately for a lake of fire. He's going down and he's going to try to take as many with him as he possibly can. So let's consider practically how we deal with this. Look at how Jesus does. Okay, let's look at this in the gospel lesson today. How Jesus models these effective countermeasures. Okay, so he uses the word of God to combat what Satan comes at him with. Right? What's the first temptation? He's been fasting. He hasn't eaten. 40 days, 40 nights, he's famished. And Satan comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So he hits him at his point of need. He hits him where it hurts, right? In his physical, most base hunger, okay? And then Jesus answers, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus comes back, with the word of God, with Holy Scripture, and it derails and puts down Satan right then and there with that. So Satan says, I see what you're doing. You're using the word of God. I can do that too. So then he comes back and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Do we see any place in the world and the culture today where God's word is being twisted, molested, and ignored? Where does that come from? Who is the author of that kind of deception? It's coming straight from Satan. He is twisting the truth and the word of God to support his lies which undermine the work of God. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then Satan comes at him and wants him to trade eternal things for temporary ones. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he says, all these I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. So the first thing Satan does is he comes and he, he tries to undermine, call into question what God said. Then he takes the word of God and he twists it to try to serve his purposes. And then finally, when those things don't work, he just comes right back at Jesus with sort of another temporal um, temptation, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. So you think about all the, all the kingdoms of the world, all the money, you know, all the goings on in those palaces, all these things that rich and powerful people have. And he says, you can have all this. But the lie was trading the eternal inheritance for the temporary one. 
And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see how important it is to have the word of God in our hearts? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If we have the word, when temptation comes, the Holy Spirit can quicken it to us and we can speak it into the situation. Being made into the image of God and formed in Christ is a lifelong process. Part of this process is overcoming these temptations. It's replacing those parts of us that have been shaped by the lies we have believed, both in the world and lies about who we are and whose we are. The Lord wants to identify and heal in us those places where we have been hurt or we have taken on an identity other than the identity we have in Jesus Christ. The Lord would like to deliver us from those places and those ways where we have given Satan a foothold where we continue to entertain and allow sin in our lives, even though we know that the Holy Spirit is convicting us and telling us that it needs to go. The Lord would like to heal those deep hurts that we have, those words that were spoken that stayed with us for years, those ones that have been said to us, those ones that we have said to other people, And these things can be lifted off of us and we can be healed if we will ask the Lord for his forgiveness and for his healing. We can fill our hearts and our minds with God's truth as we read his word and pray and worship him. A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite uh, authors and he says this, I'm going to close with this. Jesus Christ came not to condemn you, but to save you. Knowing your name, knowing all about you, knowing your weight right now, knowing your age, knowing what you do, knowing where you live, knowing what you ate for supper, and what you will eat for breakfast, where you will sleep tonight, how much your clothing cost, who your parents were. He knows you individually, as though there were not another person in the entire world. He died for you as certainly as if you had been the only one. He knows the worst about you, and he is the one who loves you the most. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can submit to God, resist the devil, and he has to flee. That even though he seems powerful, we know that his power has been broken by the resurrection and that we do not live under his thumb or under his rule and authority because we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of your beloved son, Jesus. Help us to live according to the truths that we learn in Holy Scripture and not according to the lies that Satan says to us that we take in and believe. Help us to recognize these thoughts and these words and these temptations when they come to take these thoughts captive and submit them to your cross. That in that moment, we would see a victory 
of the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to stand firm in faith. And Lord, that as we see your faithfulness, we would trust it more and more. May you have your way in our hearts and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.